The Money Show. Other people's money. The Associate Professor of Political Science at UJ with us this evening as political analyst. Uh, before we talk about your money, there is a guy whose money we need to talk about a little bit first, if you don't mind. Um, and he is, I suppose, a guy who, if reported to be believed, kept a large amount of forex stored in a couch on his farm, and I'm sure in other places as well. And from what I'm told, it's not an uncommon practice amongst the uh, rich and the powerful in South Africa to keep amounts of cash at home. So I don't think it's an isolated incident. But just how much trouble is the president in um, as we look at sort of day seven or eight of this particular saga? Um, I could hardly hear you there, Bruce, uh, but I think I got your question. Um, well, I mean, he's still in a, in a trouble somewhat um, because there are, there are certain things that we, we don't know and are quite concerning. Um, two things, actually, whether he had paid tax on that money, whether he had declared it, and possibly a third one of under whose instructions were the thieves tortured. Um, I mean, I've been talking about this for quite some time now, for a few days, actually. And one of the things I've been saying is that I doubt that the president would have instructed people to torture uh, those those thieves. Um, but those are those are concerning three issues, though, that have to to be answered. We need questions to that. I'm not really worried about uh, how the money got there. Uh, we all know that our president is rich. Is in the habit of buying buffaloes for 20 million rand. Uh, so it's not entirely surprising that he would have money. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, that uh, the, the same, money would yeah, be hidden the, under mattresses exactly. and all that. The same, yeah. rules, the same rules apply to all of us. We're not allowed to keep vast amounts of foreign exchange. I don't even think you're allowed to keep uh, a, a dollar note at home. If my, you know, Again, if you just read the small print of when you do go and get foreign exchange, it says you take this. This is for travel purposes only. Um, and then when you come home, then you give it all back again. Um, unless you, you know, it had, things have opened up a little bit. You can have foreign exchange accounts attached to your bank account. But it's all stuff that is in the public domain and stuff that is declared and that is, you know, any authority wants to get information. Cash is just that little bit trickier. Cash is just that little bit smellier. Cash is just that little bit more difficult to explain. And I guess that's that's why we have a problem here. Is he is his political career in trouble? Is it over? No, it's not. Um, it's not one. Well, we don't know. We don't know how long he's here. He had all that cash in his house. I'm told he has 30 days or something like that so within which to declare or or deposit it. Um, so one can't quite reach okay. a firm conclusion on that right? because, you know, we simply don't know. Um, as to his career, well, it would, it would depend on the, on the extent of the infraction. Um, assuming that he didn't declare and all that stuff, then that becomes an infraction. Uh, it then, gets to become a question of extent. Uh, is, it, is it something that the ANC feels that they have to fire him for, for not declaring? Uh, and, and, yeah, things like that. So, so first it must be proven and uh, then determine the, the, the nature of the fine. Um, if it's a fine that they think he should go down for, then I guess that's the ANC for to, to 
to uh, decide, but I wouldn't... We, we, we need to keep a certain degree of perspective here, Bruce. Importance, um, absolutely. We don't want to be eating up our president's... Uh, almost every year Co- uh, no there, there, correct a, absolutely things that are worth yeah yeah absolutely and we've also got to go you know f- from whence it comes as well in terms of the uh the source of the of the leak and the source of the information is in itself politically fraught and, and quite tra- and you know quite questionable if you like in terms of the way things operate in South Africa and you know if an infraction was was done that's fine and infraction is an infraction uh, but let's not put too far in the back of our minds the the real big motives here that there are elements of the ANC who would love to see Sir Ramaphosa's political career flayed alive yeah well that's that's precisely my point um avoid getting into some kind of a frenzy uh, um kind of a mob mentality uh, and allowing um, people with ill intentions to set the parameters of the debate to direct us exactly into doing what they want to see happening yeah and they want to see instability yeah, unfortunately, uh, that is why they did this. unfortunately the president is playing directly into that narrative by by <coughs> not Disclosing, and I'm sure that he's got lawyers working furiously in the background, determined um, to clear his name on this thing. But you know, the quicker the information gets out, the better, surely for everyone. I think you want accurate information. You don't just want any any other piece of information. So, of course, it shouldn't take too long. Um, they should investigate, do everything to make sure that they've uncovered every piece of information. I would be content with that. I mean, I, I, I tend to to um, to be somewhat flabbergasted by the rush for answers, uh, as if people want any answer. Uh, you have to find out the truth, and that requires a bit of time. Of course, we have to be reasonable about that time span, but the idea that uh, answers must be provided immediately regardless of whether or not they might be thorough is just nonsense for me, yeah. Okay, let's talk about you, because that's why we invited you, because we want to find out about you. Tell us where you grew up. Tell us about mm-hmm. the vast amounts of cash under your mattress as a small child. <laughs> <laughs> no, what was, where, where, did you, where did you grow up? What was life like? Uh, well, <laughs> I grew up in P, actually, in Zwede. Um, well, born in New Brighton, uh, grew up... Uh, in Zwede, uh, PE, um, life was 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 interesting. You know, township life in Zwede. Um, you do all the kind of things that uh, young folks that uh, do in Zwede, playing soccer, playing cricket, actually on the streets. Uh, we certainly didn't have any stash of cash under mattresses. Uh, every every penny counted, and uh, it all had to be budgeted for. Yeah. What did mum and dad do? What 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 was what was the family life all about? I was raised by my grandmother, so okay. I pretty much grew up with my grandmother. But so it's so um, such a common story, isn't it? I mean, so many kids of you know, I don't want to age you at all, but yeah, the eighties, nineties. Um, again, grandparents playing this absolutely pivotal parental role. Yes, yes. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a common story. Um, extended family mainly. Uh, generally, in black in black communities, we don't talk of a nuclear family. No, absolutely. Uh, aunts, uncles, they're all part of the family. 
and and it's it gets it gets somewhat interesting that way because you can rely on a number of people for support and all manner of things yeah um and yes you can rely as you grow up on support um and then of course later on that 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 sort of responsibility falls upon you does it not uh, because so many future generations of kids unfortunately find themselves in similar situations yes uh it does um and that's 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 a family network that has tended to be quite useful actually uh for black families um because very few of them make it to universities uh while well, used to but now things have changed but you still have a huge problem even now but the few that are able to to make it to university to get a good job they then have to make sure that the others follow as well you have to throw the rope over the wall so that the others on the other side can can also climb up yeah. um so that's that's the family network that is that is critical especially for 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 poor families yeah who was your role model who was who was sort of driving you to make sure that you went to university that made sure um that you went and got the education that you did get my grandmother i mean my grandmother was a fervent believer in in education she had wanted to to go to school she she didn't go beyond standard three um her father wanted to marry her away to some idiot and and she she fled the family home fled for for p e i mean she must have been what, sixteen seventeen or something like that uh yeah and and uh, you know even though she never she never went to or went further beyond standard three she wanted her kids um to go to university my mother became a nurse uh, she now has a master's degree actually in nursing mm. and uh, raising me up my grandmother was uh, always uh, and she was a very strict woman you know she and she could use that belt hey, uh, <laughs> very menacing figure uh, <laughs> and all loving and uh, strong authority as well so so she's the one who really made sure that I I go to varsity and I, I remember when I went to Verts for my first year in 1993 uh I had a sales house bursary because she used to she had an account with <laughs> with sales house so so I kind of benefited as well from some of the investment that she made with my education in mind yeah uh, and thank goodness for 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 smart, particularly matriarchs in South Africa, because I think so many people owe so much to matriarchal figures in their families, whether they be mothers, whether they be grandmothers or aunts. Um, I think they've they, uh, they played a huge, huge role. Your first job, what was it? Um, uh, as you uh, when you left university, once you graduated from Bits. Uh, well, my first serious job really was was an was an intern you know where i i got a, a salary from one canadian ngo actually in Bramfontein. um that was an internship uh but the very first first one serious one was at the center for policy studies under stephen friedman who was my director okay. there uh we all had a very uh, a, a very exciting group of people to work with there. Kesha, Shuba, uh, Kesha Shubane, 
So it was a nice place to work at as a young researcher. Uh, got a lot of training and exposure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, those jobs don't tend to pay a vast amount of money. But, but you know, they they tend to be sort of like um, this. You do it for the experience, and we'll make sure you don't starve. Um, and you you end up really earning, I suppose, earning your stripes in the world of research and the world of uh, of of political science, which you now inhabit. Well, I mean, that, that's 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 a decision I had to make. I remember having this discussion with Tom Lodge, who was was my supervisor for my PhD in the in the nineties, I mean ninety when I finished my honors, ninety-six, ninety-seven, a lot of people were going into government, you know. Um with an honors uh degree you could have a fairly well paying job. Uh but Tom discouraged a whole lot of us from doing the, that and and instead redirected us into into research. And of course, part of ensuring that we stayed in research was to give us jobs at school, money, so that we would not be tempted to leave, right? Um, and so we knew, I mean, one knew from the very beginning that this is not the kind of career path where you make uh, bucket loads of money. You know, it's all about research, uh, research rather, and, and, and passion. You know, um, scholarship is all about passion. Uh, it's not about money, really. So, if you want make, if you want to make money, then you are into a different career altogether, or wrong career rather altogether. Did you? I mean, do you do you sometimes sort of lie awake at night worrying about the bills? Going, damn you, Tom Lodge! I can't believe you did this to me. I could have gone and got a cushy job. I could have become a director general in the government department. I could be sitting pretty. I could be sitting with a government pension. I could be doing. Or are you grateful that you've kept your independence? Well, from the little bit I do know about you, I think you're you're a bit too independent to have gone into government. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I have I very strong opinions. Um, I like my space. I do. I want to do exactly what I want to do. Um, control my own time. Uh, sit down, write. Sit at home, write. Go to the office if I have to go to the office. You know, so, so I'm very particular about how I arrange my space. Uh, the best thing for me is to have uninterrupted time. But for me, that's, that's, that's the best time because I get to sit and read and write. So, you know, uh, I might not have the money, but I have, I have something that I treasure, uh, quite highly. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you put a particular value on money? None of us wants to be poor, um, but uh, do you mean, do you have some, some people really do lust after money? Again, you can't do your job if you are somebody who wants material wealth. Well, money. Everybody wants money. Uh, I mean, I have kids who are always uh, wanting to take Uber and uh, order out Uber Eats, and you know. Holidays have to be had and <laughs> dinner at some fancy restaurant. So, so we all want money. Uh, but for me, money, money is is the what I like about it. It is allowing me to do the kind of things that make my life easy. I mean, if I want to go to some fancy restaurant, I can do that easily. I buy as many books as I want. Uh, I have an unplanned trip somewhere for some emergency. So it makes life easy, but it's not for me to flash around, you know, it's, uh, but it does, it helps to have money because it makes life a lot easier. Uh, but it's not something to brag about for me. You know.
Um, Flashy clothes walking around like a peacock. But if you do have, <laughs> if you do have a, a a spending desire, um, is it for books? I mean, do you buy books that you never read, or are you quite picky and fastidious about what it is that you select, or is there stuff when you're gathering dust on your bedside table? Uh, it's books, books that I read. Um, get a fancy Apple gadget now and then. Um, and, and mainly buying and, and going out a lot, uh, with the family. So, and holidays, yes. I mean, holidays. My wife especially insists on that stuff. Well, my wife insists on that stuff, and you just go along because, hey, you know, she'd be lonely without you. Um, what, what sort of holidays? Are, they, are these uh, lavish affairs? Are they, uh, do you like going to the bush and going rustic? What do you like? Uh, going to the bush, uh, mainly driving uh, to um, Bumalanga, you know, Kaysaran. There's long drives into the bush. Uh, not really hotels. Hotels are not hotels are not part of a holiday, really. Um, but disappearing somewhere, seeing a, a new area altogether. Um, my daughter, my daughter's idea of a holiday is <laughs> is having room service. So having as much room service as possible. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that stuff comes uh, comes with a bill, of course. Do you ever get to switch off? I mean, do you when you go on holiday, do you switch off, or do you sneakily sort of sit quietly at uh, half past five in the morning before everybody else wakes up and catch up on uh, current affairs and carry up catch up on your social feeds? Do you, do you do that sort of thing, or or do you ever defrag completely? And I think so many people struggle uh, to do that, especially as we've got so much access to so much information so much of the time. Um, I try, I try to switch off, um, but I always take stuff along with me. So what I would do would be, uh, I would wake up in the morning early, early, around six, uh, do some work. Uh, my family, uh, are sleepers, you see, so they sleep, they sleep up until it could be 10, 11. What? So that would give me a solid five or so hours uh, of doing some work. Thereafter, I join, I, jo- I rejoin the holiday activities. Yeah. But I, I can never switch off completely. I mean, there's always something to do. Absolutely right. Any bad money habits? Anything that you're sort of embarrassed about? Anything that you'd really rather not tell us about, but you will? <laughs> uh, people ask for money and I tend to give them, uh, quite, quite easily. Uh, I, I've never managed to say no to people, uh, especially because uh, people need it. They're always asking, is 300, 400 in there? Then one realizes that you've, you've given out almost 2,000, 2,500 per month. Um, so I wish I could learn to say no, but uh, it's something I'm still grappling with. But you can't grow up in the environment that you grew up in and say no, I don't think. I mean, it's, it, I think it might, is that much harder because if anybody had said no to you while you were growing up, you wouldn't have got to where you've got to today. I think that makes it that much more complicated, doesn't it? I guess, I guess that's it. And, and, and those demands uh, are a lot higher now with, with quite a lot of people not working. 
Um, so yeah, you know, and you feel bad. You can't say no when you know you have money. <laughs> you know, it's like you lie. You feel bad. So you end up, unless, uh, you know, my budget is quite tight, then, then I would really feel courageous to say no. But if I have extra, you know, I just give. Yeah, it's tough. It, it really, I think it's, 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 it, we live in a tough environment and things are really hard. And I think people are coming really unstuck and the obligation on people with means, um, has never been more acute. And, uh, I, I fear it's going to get just a, a little bit tougher. When you look at the, when you look at your prospects and Khaleesi, you've just had this wonderful promotion now at UJ. Do you feel like you, you, you've cracked it? Do you have big global ambitions? What's, what's the next move? Uh, well, I've always wanted to be a full professor, and and uh, I have finally gotten there. For now, I'm just content uh, churning out books, uh, teaching. Um, well, I how old am I? I'm turning forty nine uh, this December, so I'm not even fifty yet. So for now, you know, it's it's just writing books. Uh, I wouldn't say no. Or rather, I can't say I won't, I won't go beyond in terms of administrative position and all that. But for now, I'm kind of happy with where I am. And also, uh, to change, to change career, it's something that you have to want to do yeah. and not do it for money. Because, I mean, I've seen these jobs. They are demanding. 24-hour <laughs> jobs. Exactly. You have to oh, who wants work? give them your all. Exactly. It's much more fun to, yeah? it's much more fun to poke fun at others. Thank you so much. <laughs> Associate Professor of Political Science right. at the University of Johannesburg. Wonderful to get some insights from you this evening. Other people's money with Nkubisi Ntlejana.